is After Dark Podcast is sponsored by HHNUnofficial.com, the home of Halloween Horror Nights news and rumors all year round. Find us on the web at www.HHNUnofficial.com. So stop the fog machines and clear the cobwebs. It's time for another episode of the podcast that's nearly the same as all the others. Universal After Dark, a universal podcast that's not the same as all the others. Hi and welcome to this week's Universal After Dark. I may be hosting again a little bit, but um, not the whole time. So, today, I'm joined by Chris Ripley. Hello. Hello, W. Hello. Our special beautiful guest, Nick. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. <clears throat> Is he even there? Um, you haven't actually said who you are. Yeah, I'm last, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so who are you? Um, maybe I'm Amanda, maybe I'm not Amanda. Maybe you're Craig. Maybe I'm Craig, who knows? Are you gonna maybe be... I've just been to Disneyland Paris. Are you going to say anything libelous? Um, <laughs> That's Chris's job. <laughs> yeah, I will though. Don't let us down. Hang on a second. I'm trying to open a beer here. Hang on. There you go. There you go. Maybe yeah, but we're all a little bit beard. A little bit. Well, I think me and P Dub's a beard. <laughs> I don't think Mister. I don't think Mister. Ripley's got one. Have you? <laughs> I had mine earlier. <laughs> and Amanda, I mean, you could be someone's beard, I suppose, if they're rich enough. Could be. Yeah. It could be. So, Universal After Dark. What, so, what do you want to talk about? Basically, we only released an episode a couple of days ago, so not a, an awful lot happened in the last few days, except... Halloween Horror Nights. Halloween Horror Nights dates were officially released. So, if you follow our Chris on Twitter or our Chris's website, you'll know that Chris released a blog last week saying that the dates would be released this week. And they were. He was not wrong. I was not wrong. I had many people doubting me, particularly a certain Charles. Charles, Charlie, Charles. Yeah, Charles out there, who said it definitely won't happen, that the dates won't be released this week. It will be for a few more weeks yet before the dates are officially announced. Trust me, he said. I believe he even said maybe even next month. He did. But yeah. as usual, Charles was talking utter bollocks. <laughs> and the only place to come for official news and rumours is hhnunofficial.com. And here. That is the truth. And here. Second hand. And third hand if you if you go to Diz After Dark. <laughs> Fourth hand if you go to Scare Zone. 
<laughs> 12, how did you go to Pop After Dark? <laughs> when me and Craig will talk about it six weeks after it's been announced. Um, Chris, didn't you get it right by the day? I did, yes. So it's not even that you got it in the ballpark. It's not that you even got it in, in the correct week. I got it to the actual date. The problem I had was, was obviously because we all live in, in the UK, is obviously we're up before America. So because these dates are obviously coming from America, they're going to be released in the afternoon or the evening in the UK. So all morning on Thursday, all I had was people messaging me going, ha, 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 told you. Wasn't going to happen. Would you like so, to tell people how you like, spend your evening? Yeah, so like Liam Neeson from Taken, I went through and picked off every single mother <laughs> after they were released. <laughs> Not that I'm bitter. Um, no, you can hear that. You don't need to be bitter when you're right. No, exactly. I I, honestly, I'm only joking. I mean, I don't. I'm lucky to not get many trolls, which is a good thing. Because um, I know some podcasts, some people on Twitter and Facebook, they they get people just relentlessly chipping at them all day long. So I'm sort of thankful that the Halloween Horror Nights community, on the whole, you know, the Universal community maybe, is um, much better than the Disney community. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> You can. It's, it's universal after dark. Um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think generally when I've encountered uh, those kind of worlds, those fandoms, that the universal fandom does seem to be generally um, politer, I'd say, and better behaved than um, some of the people you get with Disney. Maybe it's... Um, excuse me. That's the beer kicking in. Um, maybe it's down to the... Uh, the amount of people, because arguably there's, well actually not arguably, more people are Disney fans than they would be Universal or Halloween Horror Night fans, so you've got a bigger uh, pond as it were. Um, but I don't know, it just seems to be, you, you do kind of get less abuse I think from that world. And I think Logan's spoken about it before as well. Oh yeah, yeah he has. He, he, in fairness, does get quite a lot of grief. Um, I mean, you know, how many, you know, I mean, we're, we're obviously quite a small fish in a big pond when it comes to podcasts. So we've always been quite open in that unless Jimmy Hill's on an episode, we get about 2,000 people downloading an episode. Um, or about three times that, four times that if it's Jim Hill. Um, but, you know, I, I think in the world of, of Disney podcasts, we're not, we're, we're big, but we're not as big as some of them, especially some of the... Uh, bigger American ones like what Logan does so we probably don't have that kind of um, we probably don't attract those kind of people because there's not as many of them to go around and I'd say that you know even with Universal I mean I think UUOP only has one troll and that is, is that me. Craig no it's me <laughs> oh, you. although although I thought I did a very nice thing today because I listened to the Grim Grinning hosts and I don't know if any of you have heard it, but I think Craig sent over the audio of his cover, his duet of uh, <laughs> I Want to Be 500, 500 Miles. It, it's <laughs> it's to paraphrase Bobby Roode, glorious. It is something. It is quite something. Um, and I actually messaged Lee and said, 
how good it was. And in fact, the only thing, and this isn't a knock on, on him, but the only thing that I would have liked to have heard more would would have been him duetting with Mr. Dolan rather than Craig. <laughs> Being <laughs> um, but But Lee can hold a tune. And I actually said that he could be, you know, it could be time for UUOP to produce a new theme, and he could be the podcasting world equivalent of Dennis Waterman. <laughs> right, the theme tune. Yeah, right, the theme tunes in the theme tune, and um, and you know, he he answered me back. So I don't. I think Lee sometimes thinks I'm on the river all the time. I'm not. That was actually quite genuine. But um, yeah, that that that's got, quite a piece of music. That I've got to say, when I heard it. I remembered it sort of reminded me of the comic relief version of that song. Right. So I, I pictured Lee in the chair <laughs> and Craig wheeling the wheelchair. Oh God. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I want that one. <laughs> Bobby oh. Davro. Bobby Davro. <laughs> oh. It's it's the video that went with Craig recording it. That's the, the best bet. Yeah. Dancing around his living room. <laughs> Craig Craig is a special kind of person, isn't he? Let's let's be honest. We won't go into his toilet habits. We'll save that for to his show on Monday. Oh, uh, where he goes toileting around the world. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Or around the lands at least. So so going back to what's happened. Yeah. So um It's unprecedented. It's what's unprecedented about him? They're selling freaking Halloween tickets in February. Oh, so, so it's not that they've just announced the dates. It's no, tickets are on sale. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is why when I found out the news, I told everybody and everybody went, nah, you're crazy. <laughs> so I believe Jimmy. Yeah, I know you did, mate. Bestie. Yeah. Slivering for life. Um, but yeah. And the dates that we said they would be are. The only problem is Universal. See, there's two things to this, right? Either I had a tremendously great scoop and it came true, or I told my hundreds of thousands of followers that the tickets would be released and Universal went, oh, shit, we better release the tickets. So I don't know which one's which. What I like there is you, you basically, you had two options and both of them contained analogies to ice cream. Yeah. In scoops but, and hundreds and thousands. Oh, but <laughs> Universal are punishing us. Hmm. Because they've, 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 take, they've given us more dates, but they've taken away the 28th of September. Oh, I'm so upset. So what Nobody knows 28th? why. So what is the 28th of September? What day is that? Well, it's a Thursday and for the last... Oh, 20 years there's always been a Halloween Horror Nights on the 28th of September except this year and And it's just like a random Thursday that's been taken out yeah all the other Thursdays even before are there all the Wednesdays are all there after after that date but that date is just taken out and it doesn't make any sense no, so I tweeted about it, and then Halloween Horror Nights Twitter was just like, we're busy burying bodies that day, hashtag not an event night, and I'm like, is though? It is. It always has been. Yeah. So, uh, right, so 
generally uh, Halloween Horror Nights are Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yep. Yeah. Monday sometimes. Occasionally, but and then you get Thursday, you get Friday, a, Saturday, Sunday. And you normally get quite a few Wednesdays as well. Okay. So, I wonder, and I mean, this is something you might be able to answer, I don't know. Could there be some kind of corporate event for a Halloween Horror Night? Well, some say there's a Rock the Universe concert on that night. What? I know, it doesn't make any sense. Others, like you, Nick, say that it could be a corporate event where somebody has booked the whole venue out. Um, but other than that, we don't really know, and we won't really know more until they release all of the park hours for that month. I heard it's Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, and she's JK got Rowling. form. And Tim Curry. And she's got form as well. Body form. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just odd as you say that uh you know for a, for a night that they would normally be having it and you know was it two or three weeks in well it'll be two weeks into halloween horror nights won't it by that point 28th september that'll be the third week of the third event week. third week wow so it's not like it's at the beginning no nope. where you could probably argue it a little bit like oh well maybe you know it's a training event you know whatever it could be but yeah. To have it a few weeks in is strange. And is that the only Thursday that's missing? Yes, because bearing in mind, it now starts on the 15th of September and it runs all the way through to the 4th of November. The 4th of November? Yeah. So, Remember- the last few days is going to be Universal's like very scary Christmas party or something. <laughs> They're going to have a special bonfire night on the 5th, you see, so it's got to finish. Aye, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that makes sense. Hmm. So I, I assume by the upset that the 28th was going to be uh, your night to go. Yes. That was your planned night to go. Yes. How much of a span in the works does that throw? A lot, really. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Because basically, I wasn't going for as long as I'm going now. And I added an extra, I think, three or four days onto my trip to make it so that I'd be there for this particular day. And now it's not on. So really, using all the sway that we have on the After Dark Podcast Network, we should we should really be able to convince Universal to tell uh, Jamie JK and Tim Curry to have it on another night I'll email them in fact Tim Curry I believe isn't he in Florida for a convention next month he is is he really yeah yeah, yeah it's his first one is it the first one ever no he's done he's done a couple before I think he did I think he did the Hollywood show in Los Angeles okay um, but I think it's the first time he's come over to this this coast. Is it for mm. Pizza, Pizza, Pan and the Pirates con or something? I can't remember. Uh, I can't even remember the name of the con now. I did see it confirmed the other day that he was doing it, but... Curry con? 
Curry Con. It might be. <laughs> and I, I think it's a Rocky Horror reunion. Wow. At the event. I can't remember who else they've got, but there was a couple of other actors from the from the film as well. Not R.O.B. I, I, I honestly can't remember who it was. Oh, man. I, I love R.O.B. as much as I love Tim Curry. I'd like to meet him as well. That's that's Richard O'Brien, not the robot from the Nintendo Entertainment <laughs> System, um, who was also called Rob. Different. Um, well, that's, that's interesting, actually, because I mean, Tim Curry for like a long time would hide himself from anything Rocky Horror related, wouldn't he? Yeah. And I think the last was it the 40th anniversary, wasn't it, last year? Yes. And that was the first time he'd, he'd done anything about it for. for well, possibly any anniversary, actually. He'd really kind of hidden away from it. There's also something quite weird about the tickets. Go on. Well, normally, the UK puts their tickets on first mm-hmm. um, because we're booking holidays in advance, traditionally, and then uh, America follows suits later. Instead, America's got their tickets before us, um, but... What's what's weird is a they've changed the name, but b the price right now is considerably less than what the tickets price was last year. So maybe, and I mean I, I don't know because I don't know how the ticketing normally works at these events, but could it possibly be some kind of early bird discount? It could be. What they've released um, is two different types of flexi ticket. Which is um, book now, and you can book. You can basically say you can come any night you like within the set perimeter of nights. So just pick any night you want, come on that night. That's what you pay. Normally, what happens is the the night the nights used to be coded into. I think it was like four or five brackets. So, for example, Fridays and Saturdays were the most expensive. Mm-hmm. Sundays were then the next. Uh, tier down and then Thursdays were the tier below that and then Wednesdays were like the cheapest Um, and they've changed that around through the years that's always been different but largely the same process this time they're saying here's a load of dates um, pretty much every um, date that the event is on between Sunday and Friday throughout the event choose one of those nights don't tell us when which is because normally you are telling them what day you're coming um so don't tell us what day and your price is 69 dollars and 99 cents plus tax now i think i could be wrong the cheapest ticket last year was about 100 dollars. wow so yeah we're talking 30 dollars less or was that including tax I, I think it was plus tax the other two um well, I mean, even so, I mean, what the tax in Florida is what about seven, eight percent, something like that. Something like that, yeah. So it's lower than we pay here. So, I mean, that's still that's still a big difference. Yeah, that's. So, I mean, yeah, maybe you know because they've never released them this early, it could be like a a promotion thing where like for February, you'd have thought they'd have announced it if if that was the case. But mm. it's odd for them to have dropped as low as they they have, especially as the exchange rates not change that dramatically um mm. you know i mean obviously like if this was uh six months ago the exchange rate would have been a bit more extreme but now it's kind of settled down a bit on both sides of the uh, atlantic 
But um, yeah, that's that that is quite quite unusual. Yeah, so you're not telling them when you're coming. And also, you're... surely, like, and I mean, this is where you come in, not me. But you know, how many nights sell out or get right close to capacity? Um, it's it's tricky now than what it used to be. I think they used to have more of a stringent um, uh, eye on how many people were coming into the event, um, and then would plan accordingly. I don't know necessarily if they still do that i think that they just let as many in as bought tickets now i think i don't think they actually police it too much yeah i feel like it'd be hard to because so many people buy the frequent via passes now yeah so they could never possibly know what day people will come in on i feel like it would be very hard for them to do that i think the event is such a monster now that it's, it's quite difficult to control in that way but surely because i mean we see this at, at uh you know the Disney part sometimes, especially like around Christmas, that it gets to capacity to the point where you know people literally can't get in. They're waiting for a few hours of like you know one in one out kind of policy. So there must be some nights where that they must get to a similar thing. Or are we saying because now they have it over such a long period that you don't? I guess you don't. I mean, if you was to compare it to Mickey's Not So Scary. That traditionally always used to have a cap on how many tickets they would sell. Mm. But I think Disney themselves have taken that cap away because sometimes not so scary can be busier than what it is during the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas you could just walk on rides on some nights. Some nights you go to that event now and it's absolutely heaving. Right. So I don't know if Universal have ever capped um ticket sales in the in the early days i know like the first two or three years they did cap ticket sales but definitely not in the last couple of decades no like i've never seen anyone say that it's like they've been turned away or anything like that the only thing i saw last year was they'd sold out of express passes yeah and i i found that strange that they sold out of express passes that was weird because for years they kept selling and selling and selling them and they did used to cap them but it did seem weird because i saw that as well that they did sell out on some nights last year yeah and i'm pretty sure that it was like a wednesday night that they'd sold out and i was like what yeah that was very peculiar that must have been down to how many tickets that they'd or, or how many they wanted to give out that particular night I'm, i can't believe it would be anything else they did also last year, um, and this is a first, they more than doubled the amount of tour guides there were to do private tours, and they all sold out on most nights. Wow. It just last, I think it may have been 25, I'm not sure, but since 25, the event has stepped up to another tier in, in terms of footfall and popularity it just seems to have gone so much more um just just crazy busy yes i agree um so it may have been the success of 25 and 26 now um that's driving this this beast if you like hey Diz after dark listeners i want to invite you all to join us over on scare zone halloween horror nights podcast 
ScareZone is a news, interview, history, and commentary podcast all about Universal's premier Halloween event. It's hosted by fans and experts like me, Logan Seculo, former WWE superstar Scotty Too Hottie, and Diz After Dark's own Chris Ripley. Subscribe however you get podcasts and head over to ScareZone.com for more information. We here at the show are proud supporters of Diz After Dark. And remember, keep your eyes closed and your ears open on ScareZone. Right, uh, and so for our other sponsor of the show, um, we have Wendy Pratter at Magical Journeys Travel. Don't yeah, we do. Yeah, the the very beautiful looking Wendy Pratter. Is she is she on your um, to do list? Like, if you meet her in real life, you're allowed to. She's um, you know when you open the wallet. Yeah, she, she's the picture in my wallet. I get you. I get you. But other than our lust uh, for Wendy. Um, her and her magical journeys are there to help you plan your next Disney vacation. So whether that's a Disney cruise or a trip to Disney World, Wendy can help you by getting your reservations at midnight, getting those all-important Be Our Guest dining reservations or meet and greets with Anna and Elsa. And uh, I think if you quote this podcast, Craig, get a bit of a discount on your uh, deposit, don't you? Yeah, yeah, $25 off, yeah. There you go. So... Next time you want to book a holiday, give Wendy at Magical Journey Travels a little tinkle at WPMagicJourneys.com or on Twitter at WPMagicJourneys. God bless Wendy and all that sail in it. So I, I saw the other day that a um, friend of the show, um, as in one of our earliest guests actually, was a Scottish comedian by the name of Billy Kirkwood. Um He's a bit of an all-hander. He's a he's a DJ. He's a ring announcer. He basically does what I do, but better. Um, so he's just like a better version of me. But I did see on one of our posts that uh, was talking about Halloween Horror Nights. He was trying to convince his wife to do a crake. Um, that doesn't mean taking shits all around Disney World toilets uh, as many as possible. It was actually in reference to going on a short uh, trip over for like a weekend. So, um, because I, I, I think he listens to Dad. I'm not sure if he listens to this one yet, but I'll, I'll make sure he does. Um, what advice would you give him if he wanted to do a three, four-day flyover for Halloween Horror Nights? Buy an express pass. <laughs> Early. Mm. And buy your tickets while they're still at $69. Well, buy frequently, yeah. Pass. So, so for for people not in the know, I mean, I, I'm a sh- and so this is why I'm kind of guessing because I don't know. So, a frequent fear pass is that effectively like an annual pass, but just for Halloween Horror Nights? Pretty much, yeah. The the problem that they have had is in the old days they had names for everything that were puns, basically. So, R.I.P. tours, behind the screams, gory getaways. And to be honest with you, where the, where the event is just so popular now, it's all become a little bit confusing. Okay. So I so I wonder if, um, like these tickets, for example, are called flex tickets. I wonder if they're just going down a more simplistic approach to their ticketing now. Right, okay. Because last year, for example, Amanda's talking about frequent fear passes. And for the last few years as well, they've had frequent fear pass, frequent fear plus pass, 
frequent fear pass with express frequent fear plus pass with express now you you tell me that's not complicated <laughs> so you get... yeah and what what was the other one called last year where you got into every single day what was that oh well, i don't know i can't remember the name of it but there was the rush of fear pass as well the frequent yeah, that's fear another. nando's gold card pass <laughs> <laughs> that's only if you have the really spicy chicken um, Don't let Craig near that. Yeah. He can't get anywhere near a gold card. <laughs> Certainly for sure. They'll be bankrupt. It'll be like Homer Simpson eating in the uh, the Flying Dutchman. But do they actually exist though? Well, Gold Nando's card. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's not an urban legend. No, it's not. It's not. Um, funny enough, actually, my wife uh, asked me about one the other day. Not about if I had one, obviously, but about mm. their existence and. I want to say it might have been Ed Sheeran or... Skeptum, I have a story maybe? about him. Oh, let's get on to that in a second, because I'm not okay. editing for shit, by the way. So, <laughs> I'll, but, but I'll tell you I will, so anything libelous will cut out. But I won't really. Um, but yeah, someone someone definitely famous on social media said, yes, the Gold Nando's card does exist, and this is mine. Um, and I also saw the other day, and I, and I didn't know of this... There's a gold McDonald's card. What? Wow. Yeah. I saw that as well. Rob Lowe had one. <laughs> and basically, it gives you free McDonald's for a year. Oh, my God. And they give them my brother's in China right now, and he FaceTimed me this afternoon, and he was like, yeah, I'm just getting McDonald's delivered. I was like, Blimey. what? Yeah, I think I was in Morocco. I think it was Morocco. Oh, God, Morocco. Anyway. Uh, Epcot. No, no, no. I wish I was. <laughs> you know what? You know when they turn around, you know, like, we, we you know, we'll joke about England at Epcot and say, like, how it's an idolised version of, of what England's really like. Because it's not all cup of tea and scone and crumpets. Um, which is effectively what it is there. Um, but, oh my God, I wish the Morocco Pavilion was like the real country of Morocco. Never before in my life and never again will I go back. Um, but I'm pretty sure they oversized uh, KFC deliveries as well. I did, see, I did see mopeds going about with KFC boxes on them, so on like the back of them. So I saw Pizza Hut ones, which obviously make you know you're used to seeing those over here. But um, yeah, so some countries do. My my Burger, Burger King does here. Yeah, yeah. My, my Burger King does. There's about 20 in the country that deliver, and my local's one of them. But I've never I've never had Burger King delivered because um, I think they start at about fifteen or twenty quid because you have to get effectively like, get a bundle of food and with two young kids they don't eat much of that kind of stuff anyway so it's a bit of a waste. I went to uh, a motorway service station the other day and it was about yeah it was about nine a.m. and um, I was walking through it and Burger King was open at nine a.m. And it was serving whoppers to people. Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. At 9am. That's what it's like in the airport. You get to the to Manchester Airport at, like, 7 in the morning, and people are having full Burger King meals. Holy cow. Like, and a pint. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> that's Britain all over, and let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. the, the best day for a lot of people's lives was when Weatherspoons could open up at 7 o'clock serving beer. Um... <laughs> My that Birkin does the deliveries also sells for breakfast. I've never had one, but a croissant witch. What? 
Yeah. Now, I used to hear these advertised on American podcasts all the time, and it is what it sounds like. It's a instead of having a sausage and egg McMuffin or something, the the muffin part is a croissant, and you just wow. get like a sausage burger and cheese in a croissant. That sounds well, disgusting. Yeah. Have you ever had a McGriddle? Oh my God! Yes. Yes. I have. They are what? something else. What? Yeah. <laughs> what is that? Uh, I think the uh, well, how I describe it, because I had it because it was called uh, I had what was called a steak McGriddle, so I was like, he just want steak for breakfast. Number one, <laughs> that was not steak. Secondly, I believe a McGriddle is like a kind of syrupy pancake type thing. But, yeah, proper well, I, I, sweet. I would say it's a sausage McMuffin that's been dipped into. Maple syrup. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the worst. Oh, I had, a bacon, I had a bacon one. Oh. The first time I went to Florida and I literally wanted a heave. As soon as I opened it and I realised it got maple syrup in it, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realise that until I tucked into it and I was like, my cousin, we, we went to the drive, this was in Vegas, we went to the drive and got it and we started driving off and we was eating it and I was like, oh my God. And he's like, do you want to go back? It was like, nothing can take away this taste anymore. It's like a unicorn's pissed on a McMuffin. <laughs> a McGriddle, wow. everybody. Fucking filth. Um, yeah, croissant, which it's, it's an American thing that's come out over here. I don't know how popular they are. I, I, I've only got one Birkin that I'd go to or go near anywhere that... Well, actually, I don't go there that early, but it's on the it's on the menu board. But I don't know if they sell them in, in all Birkins for breakfast. But I mean, Birkin breakfasts have always been a bit pony anyway, haven't they? Like... I've never had one. Well, that's it. Who who says, oh, should we go for a burger and breakfast? Now, somebody at some point in your life will turn around and say, should we go for a McDonald's breakfast? No one yes. ever turns around and goes, should we go for a burger and breakfast? I did a Tough Mudder, and the only thing open on a Sunday morning before the Tough Mudder was bloody McDonald's. <laughs> Just what you need for when you're doing a Tough Mudder. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Indigestion from a sausage neck well, muffin all I, the way around. I do remember a few years back, there was a, a, um, another trial for um, KFC to do breakfasts. Oh, what? And it was all, but it was it was things like chicken sausages and stuff. It made sense. They didn't try and do like a, a double down for breakfast or something. <laughs> Have you seen KFC's latest? I love it. I love it. The pizza with a, a crust made of chicken strips. Oh, what? what? What in England? No. Yeah, I think, I think it is. No, no, no. It's not. We we are. Def- this is the country that won't allow a double down. But so what's double down? A double down. Has anyone had a double down? By the way. No. No. So a double down is, and I know, man, this might be hard for you to comprehend. So. Try and try and picture it if you can. A double okay. down is two fillet burgers with ham and cheese in the middle. So there's no bun. Effectively, the chicken burgers are your buns. Oh, I saw these advertised. Right now, that's something that even I was like, that seems a little bit too much. Yet, that's they won't allow that in the UK, but. Just last month, I had something. I didn't realise what it was that I was eating until I, I started tucking into it. And it was called a double stack. So a double stack is two fillet burgers with some baconaise, 
which is bacon mayonnaise, but in a bun. So that's worse than a double down, surely, because you've then got bread and then two chicken burgers. Well, technically they're breaded anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You've got like double bread. Yeah. So. See, I, I, I went through a McDonald's drive-thru in America once and I thought, right, I'm going to be clever and order one of those Mega Macs. Okay. They're on this secret menu, aren't they? Inverted commas. Mm-hmm. So I pull up to the thing and you've got the speaker and it's usually a recorded message, the first bit. So it's like, hello, welcome to McDonald's. Please may I take your order? So I oh, said, such a good accent. So I said <laughs> in my English accent, I'll, I'll have a Mega Mac. And what I got back was, <laughs> and um, when I got to the thing, it was a Big Mac. Boo. Yeah. I remember saying that, though, I remember going to the McDonald's in downtown Disney. Is that, is the, the replacement's gone now, isn't it? Because it was a mm. chicken place, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I went into um, I went into that McDonald's and I think I had a big tasty or something, and I said, "Can I have it with no tomato?" And the woman looked at me like I was on another planet, and she was like, <laughs> "What?" And I said, "No tomato," and she was like, "And now, what are you asking for?" And I was like, "No tomato," and she's like, <laughs> "No, I, I don't understand." And I went. No tomato? Oh, right, yeah, no tomato, okay. It was like, amazing, like, just the slightest deviation from the pronunciation completely wrecked her brain. Completely wrecked <laughs> her brain. It's like the bloke off Dibcast, isn't it? Grant. Because he asked for a, a brunny in... Um, a what? The, a brunny in the writer's stock. A brunny and a coffee. And um, they just kept life. saying to him, "Sorry, what? Sorry, what? Sorry, what? A brunny? You want a brunny? I cannot get a brunny, please." Yeah. <laughs> Chris, I'm going to call you every day so you can do a different accent oh. to me down the phone. I tell you this what, is my favourite time. It's like it's like Chris has listened to our, our interview with Mark Silverman and just got ideas above his station. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did anybody listen to that? The, the, the man of four voices. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Everyone listens to that. It was a bloody good episode. It was, but <laughs> compared to other episodes... Well, compared to an episode starring Jim Hill, yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is that. Maybe we should put it back on the feed again. Um, I think we should. That, that was a good show. Um... Yeah, so, so okay, let's continue on this theme then. So, we've already established some of the worst things we've had. Are they the worst things you've had off a takeaway menu in America? Or can somebody name anything worse? Oh, now you got me thinking. Because, I mean, for, for those that don't know, like McDonald's and Burger King menus are pretty similar, I think, to what we get in the UK. Um, we don't get Wendy's anymore, so that's always a nice treat. Pizza um, Hut, I think, is identical. Pizza Hut's pretty similar. Um, Domin- Domino's is better out there, I think. That's interesting, because I, I was at KFC. So I've had American KFC, and I hated it. I love KFC, mm. but I, I've not had a good American KFC yet. Um, Popeye's Chicken, which is like one of their biggest rivals, I think is amazing. 
so it's quite Ooh. strange. Although I did think it was incredibly incredibly racist when I first went in there, because I asked for like a two piece meal, and they said white mm. or dark. Ooh. And the thing is, I was looking, and I don't know if it's the time of day or just because of where it was, because it was on iDrive, drive. But I then kind of, when they said like light, light or dark, I kind yeah. of looked around me and then realised I was probably the only white person in there. And I was like, I was like thinking, is this some kind of test? And I was like, I'm sorry, what do you mean? And she was like, do you want white meat or dark meat? I was like, oh, that now makes sense. Because obviously, if you want white meat, you get breasts. <laughs> and if you want dark meat, you get legs. So it depends on what type the, of guy you are. <laughs> do, you know, do you know, when when I went on a Disney cruise last year, um, we got there a bit late onto Castaway Quay. And as you get off the boat and you walk down towards the beach, there's a big sign up. And you, everyone misses it because everyone runs past it. There's a big sign that says, this is a natural location. It is the sea, so there may be sharks, there may be barracudas, there could be jellyfish, and it lists all the possible things that could kill you, basically. But obviously, the the, the chances are so minimal, but they're listed, and it's yeah. a big sign, and everyone runs past it. Anyway, there was this chap who I can best describe him as, if you watch the final series of Kirby Enthusiasm, <laughs> the, the Mr. Black, I can't remember his first name, is it Lenny? Leon. Leon, Leon Black. There's a black look just like him and sounded just like him, right? And he was standing there reading it, and he literally went like this: "Hell no, you let all these white people get eaten up because I ain't going in shit." <laughs> oh man, I can't wait for Curve to come back. I oh, know he's back as well. He's on it as well. Leon's back. He's on it. Oh, he yeah. made that last series. He was brilliant. I loved it. I remember the first because we, we we watched them all recently. And the first episode, because they got introduced as a hurricane family that they'd taken in. And when they introduced themselves as the Blacks, being a family of black people that were called the Blacks, he was like, how funny. That's like me being called Larry Jew. Always <laughs> <laughs> makes me laugh. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man, I can imagine that. I can imagine, uh, yeah, people getting that and seeing that sign. But like you say, it's a, it's a, it's a safety thing, isn't it? So. It is. In yeah. fact, when you go to Disneyland in California, the first sign I saw when I pulled into the Grand Californian was warning this building may contain materials that cause cancer. Oh, wow. So, and I took a photo never stayed on property. Yeah, I literally took a photo of it. And the first thing I said to the woman at the kiosk window was, what's going to kill me in this place? And she went, oh, don't worry. It's just Californian law. We have to have that everywhere. Yeah, didn't they post a thing about the magic bands saying that um, magic bands could have something that could potentially cause cancer? Yeah, but at my when I was over there last, Disney was the last thing I did. So I'd already been all over LA, you know, I've been to Universal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I never saw that sign anywhere other than at Disneyland. I can honestly say I've never seen it either. Yeah. Even when you went on your trip to the asbestos factory? <laughs> <laughs> Especially then, <laughs> via via the lead paint emporium. <laughs> I still remember having a load of toys. I think it was, I think they may have been Thundercats or something. But I had oh, a load of, them. I had a load of like little metal figurines. I had like the action figures, and then I got bought like a set of these little 
two-inch versions of them that were made of metal, but of course, like painted in lead. And I just remember Blimey. them being there one day, and my dad was like, "Yeah, you can't have these anymore." And they just went, and I never saw them again, <laughs> probably because <laughs> they had to be disposed of. Ah, oh, the eighties, what a time. Um, I was gonna, what was I gonna say? What was gonna bring up? So, oh, that was it. So I, I listened to the last episode, as I told you guys today. Uh, which timed in quite well being on this one. And um, Craig was talking... Oh, sorry, not Craig was talking, but you were talking about uh, Volcano Bay. Oh, yes. And about uh, if the tickets uh, that they were on sale now would include Volcano Bay because there was no mention of it and and all this. Well, it looks like we might have an answer to that. Because Craig um, said today that he's been charged... Uh, was it fifty dollars? Yeah, uh, it was fifty pounds. I think no, I think it was fifty pounds each per person to add Volcano Bay onto his ticket. But then I asked him how much he paid for his tickets originally, and he thought it was about two hundred and forty for his Universal tickets for a fourteen-day pass. But then on the website that I used for my tickets, a two a two park ticket was the same price as a three park ticket, including Volcano Bay. So I don't understand why they're charging them fifty pound extra. Mm. Mm. It's interesting. So yeah, I mean, that's not a bad upcharge for another park. Which is a... it's not a bad upcharge, but I don't understand why one company will be charging more and another company is not. It could be because they don't know their pricing properly yet. You know, maybe one yeah. implements it and the other one hasn't. Well, from what I can tell is the ticketing at the moment for Universal with UK travel agents is a little bit all over the place from what I've heard. Um, but, but what I will say is 50 quid to upgrade to go into a whole theme park for the day is a bargain because last year... If you'd have already bought your Universal tickets, it didn't matter who you were, whether you're UK or, or America, um, the Halloween Horror Nights upgrade was the cheapest was 55. Uh, the dearest was 83. And, and that's for a night. And that's just a night. Yeah. And that's only from, you know, seven until midnight or whenever. Yeah. Which brings me on to another point about the Halloween Horror Nights tickets is that the the second flex ticket that you talked about so the one where you could go between sunday and saturday yeah is $80.99 yeah but last year the frequent fear pass in the uk was i think 82 pound oh, so right. you could go for one night now for $80.99 or you can get a frequent fear and go as many nights pretty much as you want. That was for a frequent fear plus as well. So that's Thursday, Friday, Sunday, and then Wednesdays as well for £82. Was that the add-on or was that the... That was just the, an individual, like, totally by itself. By itself. Frequent fear plus. Well, that's interesting. Uh-huh. Because we do... Because I think uh, Gary was telling them on his new podcast, um, um, The Bro Podcast... Provision. Provision. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's late. Um, that uh, he was kind of making the jealous because of what we were paying, 
for Universal tickets, and then we were getting, I think, is it 14 nights? Uh-huh. Oh, um, what we get in the UK... And they don't get that option, do they? No. No, what we get in the UK compared to um, what they get in America is, is night and day. And in fact, you yeah. know, I think might be interesting is what that's like around the world. You know, what do they get in France? Well, this is the thing, you see, because Disneyland Paris, for example, the English and the Germans were playing more money than what the French and the Spanish were paying. Correct. So, obviously there, they've got different prices for different countries. So... It'll be just interesting, because, I mean, the way I've always understood it is that the, the tickets we get in the UK, so Disney will do the same thing as Universal, but it's these 14-day or 21-day or tickets. I don't think they do them any longer that today. I think 21 days is the most, but um, these tickets are, like, exclusive, and they work out a lot cheaper. I was speaking to somebody, or, or somebody asked me a few weeks ago, because we're going to WrestleMania, um, I think I said about it on on this after dark that they wanted to know I wanted to buy some I uh, wanted someone to sell them in the UK some day tickets to Disney World and I said to be completely honest with you if you just want day tickets you'll struggle to get them here for Disney World you might just have to buy them on the gate but you'll probably mm. find it'll be cheaper for you to buy a two week ticket than it would be to buy a couple of day tickets. Or like a three-day ticket to go to Disney World. Yeah, because almost, but the, yeah. The gate prices are, are so expensive. Um, I think they're to go up to $120 now or something. Yeah. For Disney World. <laughs> um, can you imagine paying that to go in Hollywood Studios? <laughs> <laughs> the quarter-day park. Um, yeah, so, you know, I, we, we are lucky like that, but I, I would be interested to see what other European countries get. Because I'm sure they must get similar kind of deals. But the thing is, they know we come for longer. So traditionally, we're going to be spending more in the parks. Mm. But why doesn't Disneyland Paris understand that if you get us to your theme park cheaply and then let us stay there cheaply, we will spend that money in the park. Instead, they want you to pay a huge fee to get there unless you drive. And then they want you to pay a huge fee per night to stay in the hotel. And then you're locked in that resort, obviously. So you can't, it's not like you can pop down the shops, is it, at Disneyland Paris? You're pretty much, you know, everything's there. You cray-cray, Ripley. What are you talking about? <laughs> Quit your jibber-jabber. Do you not remember I went to Disneyland Paris for two adults and two children for five days last year for less than 200 quid? Yeah, but... That you weren't staying on site and you weren't. No, I, was, um, no, I was. I was in the same was. Bay. And that included my tickets. The only thing I had to pay, pay on top of that was Eurostar, which cost me another 140 quid. So less than what? 400 pound. All in. Well, you I did very good then. Oh, no. I did bloody good. Don't get me I had a, a lady <laughs> bending my ear today telling me how expensive Disneyland Paris is to get to and stay at. Disneyland Paris. I was Paris. again. <laughs> yeah he did say lady so yes it was great um no i mean the thing, the thing is um and i'm writing a book on this at the moment so i'm tr- supposed to be trying to be an expert on it 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 can be a very expensive holiday and i think that disneyland paris's biggest problem is that you have two value hotels on property 
you have oh well you, you kind of got two and a half if you count Davy Crockett because Davy Crockett's not very expensive but Davy Crockett you can only get to by car mm. if you don't have a car you you know you can't get there and you can't get to the parts there's no shuttle so you've got two value results the rest are supposed to be you know three four five star results so they are expensive they know you're not going to be going there for a long time like when you go to Disney World if you go into Orlando you're going for like at the very least a week I'd never do that myself but mm. um, you know I'd want to go for two to three weeks so you're going out there for a longer time because there's much more stuff to do whilst Disneyland Paris there isn't I was speaking to somebody who was wanted to go for seven days and I was like you won't want to spend seven days and they wanted to spend seven days in the park just in the park I was like no if you're going to Paris as well Fair enough. But if you're just planning to go there for a week, far too long. It's just not big enough. But so, ha- how long does it take to get to from London? Um, what, by train? Yeah. Dis- Disneyland Paris. Uh, yeah. If you go directly, it's two hours 20. So why don't they try and attract us there for day tickets? Well, this is, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that because um, I think the big problem at the moment, because I've got a friend that does that. Uh, now, this I think is crazy. She goes for a birthday, maybe one more day in a year. It will cost her, she'll buy her tickets late, so she'll it'll cost her over £100 to get on the Eurostar. Mm. And she'll only go direct. The Eurostar only go direct, uh, I think, twice a day. Yeah. Once. Uh, yes, sorry, when I meant twice, I meant there and back. So, yes, you're right. Yeah. It is and don't forget, I live in Kent, and it doesn't stop there all the time as well. Um, direct it should do. But, yeah, uh, on the way back, you're, you're, if, you're, if you're going indirect, you're right. So, because um, I actually go from Ebsfleet. Oh, right. More than not, because when you factor in getting a train to London, uh, you wouldn't drive to London and park because it's just too bloody expensive. The park in Ebbsfleet is only about 30 quid for a week mm. or so. Um, and Ebbsfleet, from where I live, is only about 30 minutes drive. Um, so it works a bit better. But yeah, if you if you were going direct, there's only two trains, uh, sorry, one train a day uh, there and one train back that's direct. Everything else is indirect. And indirect mm. is actually not a problem because it's so easy to manoeuvre around Paris that it's not hard at all, but I think everyone's just put off off by it. Um, and if you're willing, see, I don't do, even go that way. Do you I go to Lille? Yeah, well, Lille's much easier than even being in in Paris. The only thing I don't like about Lille is that the French trains are very timetabled, so you've only yeah. got a small window, and if it's really busy, everyone's fighting to get on the train, and it doesn't wait for you to get on. It, you've got two or three minutes to get on the train. If you're not on the train, it will pull away. So it can be, when you've got small kids, it can be a little bit traumatic. Whilst if you go to Paris and, and go on the tube afterwards, you do it at your own leisure. The, you know, the pressure's kind of reduced a little bit. But anyway, um, I think only if they start to do more direct trains. But I just don't think the demand's there. I don't think the demand's there. But this is the thing, they should be, if they're losing money, they need to create that demand. Second most visited, des- or no, sorry, the, the most visited European 
uh, theme park. Yeah, but I, I'm I'm sitting here thinking, right, tomorrow, what am I going to do tomorrow? I'm probably going to stay at home and do some work. I, why can't I get on a train and go for the day in Disneyland Paris? Mr. Ripley, we will address this on the next Dis After Dark. If that isn't a tease for you <laughs> listeners to listen to other shows on the After Dark Network, I don't know what is. Okay, well, we've got a good uh, good uh, discussion. There. i tell you what also is good, and I recommend this for you, Nick, if you haven't all done it already, is uh, Jim Hill's latest episode of um, The Disney Dish. Uh, he talks about how he uh, interviewed General... Um, the chap that Walt got to help him build Walt Disney World. Okay. Um, I can't remember his name, but he was quite a... He was an ex-military bloke, and he was really good at sorting stuff out. And uh, I like their story. Yeah, it's great, isn't it? And anyway, basically, yeah. he came to the end of his career. You know, he's about to retire. And is it Michael Eisner or someone just before Michael Eisner asked him to go around the world, uh, go around Europe to try and work out where they should build a European theme park? And he goes to all these destinations and he creates a list. At, at the bottom of the list is France, Paris, that exact location. And he recommends to the board, do not build that damn park in Paris. <laughs> 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 and then it turned out that Eisner pushed the button because the French government gave him loads of tax incentives. Well, and blah, blah. There's, there's two things here. So the first one, uh, uh, and this is on my research. So the first one is that is that um, the tax reliefs um, and what they were willing to kind of give up land-wise was better than anyone else was doing. Um, but the second school of thought is that Walt had this romantic idea of building a park in France, ideally Paris. And so that was always at the back of people's minds, that if Walt was in charge, that's probably where he'd want to do it. That's the romantic version of that tale. I think the first version of that tale with the tax incentives is probably the, the, it's the, the correct one. one. Yeah. Mm. I, I like the the story that Jim gave the reason why they got the tax incentives though was because that was the route that the Germans used in both world wars to get into Paris. Oh yes. Basically the French used it as a blockade to stop them coming in. Well, I was also in doing this as well. I also looked into how close we were to getting Universal Studios in Raynham. Really? Yep. And and uh, the answer is pretty close, actually. Wow. Yeah. Oh, we're was... back on topic. Yeah. See what I've done there? Switcheroo. That's in genius. Fact, it was only because of a rare bird that, uh, that that was pretty much the reason why we didn't get it. What, Danny LaRue? Daddy LaRue was spotted on Rain and Marshes. And so they said, there's no way. He could attract Dame Edna Etheridge. Um, he, he could attract uh, um, Lily... Um, Savage. Lily Savage. There you go. Um, you know, in the future, Caitlyn Jenner. So, therefore, we better we better make sure this isn't taken away. Um, but, yeah, yeah, we almost got a universal Nick. park in, in, in England. Nick, other drag queens are available. Oh, yeah! That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. In fact, fact, it still surprises me now, actually, that we are in the year 2017, um, almost 30 years from when these talks happened, and Universal never pulled the trigger. Not 30 years ago. Um, Yeah, it was uh, late, late 80s, early 90s. 
Wow. So yeah, it would it would be yeah, almost as old as Amanda. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> Amanda, like I'm young. Exactly, you're like a baby compared to us. So I am twenty-one for that. Okay. Is that why you're shopping Forever Twenty One? Yeah, because that's why I am. Yeah, that makes sense. That's why I shop in Old Man. <laughs> version of Top Man. Um, yeah, I'm just surprised that they they never. I know they've they've dabbled in in Europe, um, but I don't think they've got anything left now because the they sold the Spanish part, didn't they? I think they did, they, and that was also another option where Disney suggested building was uh, that part of Spain. It was it but, was those two, wasn't it? It was it was between uh, Marne le Val and and uh, it's, it's near Alicante, I think. Benidorm. Benidorm, yeah. <laughs> but but you do realise that Kent supposedly is getting a Paramount theme park. Well, yeah, I mean, I believe it when it is, actually starts work on it. Is it ever going to happen? Well, we've seen the plans. Yeah, again, didn't that get stopped because of a rare insect or something? I'm sure I read somewhere that they'd had to stop it because of a rare insect or frog or something. Yeah, and it turned out that what it was, it was them filming uh, the new Avengers film at Dover. <laughs> and it was actually Spider-Man that they'd seen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they all got confused. Um, so that was just a throwback to uh, a comment that Chris made on the last episode. Um, <laughs> all right, Flynn, calm down. Oh, the joke wasn't that bad. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I think there was something like that. You were right, but from what I understood, some more money changed hands. But I don't think Groundwork has started yet, and we are supposed to be seeing it in 2020. Mm. That's not going to happen. No. And if if Disney can't build a land by 2019, they can't build a whole theme park, surely, by 2020. No. Well, it is possible because I went to Crinkly Bottom. Oh, so did we. <laughs> <laughs> and I, mean, I think they knocked that up in about six months. So it's definitely six hours. Possible. Well, it's definitely it's definitely possible, and it'll probably be just as good. But, um, yeah, because isn't it supposed to have, like, um, a Titanic attraction? Um, yeah. Starbuck, yeah, there's a, um, there's a BBC Starbuck, Land as well. Doctor yeah, Who, top, yeah. Top Gear yeah, was Sherlock. supposed to be there. Yeah. This sounds like the worst park that I've ever heard of in nah, my entire life. As, a, as me and Crystal said, we went to Kringley Bottom. We know what a bad thing yeah, park yeah, we Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, this sounds like paradise compared to Kringley Bottom. Honestly. Do you know Mr. Blobby's house is still there and it's used as a crack den? Yes, I've seen photos of it. It's very, very eerie. <laughs> very, very eerie. Uh, it, I mean, what would make it worse is like the the discarded Blobby costume standing in the corner like Blair Witch. <laughs> That's the only thing that could make it even worse than it actually looks already. <laughs> Well, no, Redmond does his deals. <laughs> well, that's that's where you know, deal or no deal. We thought it was about money in boxes, just about crack. <laughs> please, please don't sue us now. Do you know, not- right? It's a true story. I met uh, a friend down in Bristol once, and I had to stay at the night in this uh, this small hotel. And the next morning, came down for breakfast, and I'm sitting in the dining room, and I'm looking around. 
and I'm really good with faces, but terrible with names. I look to my left, I go, oh, recognise that bloke. Look to my right, oh, I recognise that woman. And then I realise I'm in a room full of people that I recognise their faces. And it was the weirdest sensation ever, because I was like, am I having a mental breakdown? <laughs> because how do I know all these people, but I have no idea what their names were? And then I realised um, who they were, and then it was told to me, that this was the hotel they used for deal or no deal people. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, when you... One of my best friends went on deal or no deal. And? Really? Yeah, she won like £26,000. Jeez. I yeah. won I won, uh, I won. won 15 quid on deal or no deal. <laughs> Down the pub? Yeah, yeah, on the, on the hit box. Yeah. Oh, she <laughs> went on the real life that. one. Well, it was real life for me. Don't take it away. Don't take <laughs> it away. That was the best 50p I spent. Um, yeah, because I was I was actually going to be working on Deal or No Deal for a while, um, and and then I left. But um, yeah, that was one of the things is that you would have to um, be down there for at the very least mm. the week um, and come yeah, back I think at weekends. Yeah, for like a week and a half or two weeks. Yeah, oh no, I'm talking. I'm I'm just talking from like a production point of view. But yeah, oh, if, you're, yeah no, if you're on the show, you're you are you are holed up in a hotel, and uh, I think you I think you have to sign when you go and do or no deal that you are willing to um, be there fluff. for at least three months. Okay. And fluff. Yeah, you also have to fluff. Yeah. Um, that that's that's an interesting story. Me and my wife, where she thought a fluffer was something completely different. That was that was good. Well, I was going to say something about a very famous entertainer, but I shan't be libelous again on this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I once told a, a I almost told a libelous story on on live radio once about a celebrity. So I know uh, I know I know what you mean. I think as long as we I, don't do it on a Jim Hill episode, we're fine. Yeah, that's true. It's the only time people really pay attention. That's a good point. Yeah, well made. Um. Yeah, well, I was, there was something else I was going to talk about Universal related, but uh, I, I think I think it's late, so maybe we should save it for another show, unless people really want to go on for another question. Well, there was this um, years ago. I saw a recording of Lovejoy. Oh, he's an and, asshole. And I met Ian McShane, and he seemed like a nice bloke, and then. About five years ago, this journalist was on Twitter ranting that he had this really dark secret about Ian McShane. And they would, the guy would never tell me what it was. I told you about when I saw him at the premiere of Kung Fu Panda. No. So we, me and my friend, like at the time, my friend was obsessed with going to premieres. And we'd often go to Leicester Square. Be like, I remember The first one I ever went to was Iron Man. Right, and I actually, and you know what? I've completely blanked this out of my mind. I've met Robert Downey Jr. We got his auto, we got his autograph at the Iron Man premiere. I've got at somewhere, I've got a signed picture of Iron Man from the premiere, signed by Robert Downey Jr., Terence Howard, and I don't think Gwyneth Paltrow, John John Favreau. Yeah, yeah, mm. just randomly. Uh, well, not, not that not that that's randomly. The fact I'm telling this story now is random. See, at the time, mm. if you think about it, it Robert Downey Jr. was on the was on the comeback. Yeah. So whilst it was a biggish deal, 
that that guy from Alien McBill had signed a picture for this film that we was going to see in a few weeks' time when it came out. Um, I just completely forgot I met him. Anyway, a few weeks after that was Kung Fu Panda. So my friend was like, oh, should we go to this, this premiere? Because there'll be a lot of stars there. So uh, I met Jack Black and uh, Lucy Liu. Um, didn't meet Dustin Hoffman, unfortunately. He didn't st- spend much time out with people. But Ian McShane was there. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we was trying to get his attention. Going, Ian, Ian, it's what people generally do at premieres to get people to come over and sign stuff. And, um, yeah, he kind of just looked over in our direction and sneered. So then we started going, love joy, love joy. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, you know, if we're going to call you by your name and you're going to ignore us, we'll just be rude. And he still didn't come over the bastard. But, um, yeah, he just seems like a grumpy git, really. Oh, Doesn't surprise me that people have... Yeah, it is. When... when... I had that my my biggest regret with stuff like that is when I was I still am interesting but my hero in wrestling was a wrestler called Mick Foley and I just read his autobiography I I loved watching him wrestle I thought you know he comes across as such a nice guy and he was doing a sign at Forbidden Planet in the old Forbidden Planet in London and uh I went down it took a uh, took a day off work and went down there to get my like, book signed by him and he couldn't be uh, less impressed to do a signing it, like I've ever seen. I've never seen a celebrity be less interested in, in being a signing. And I queued up for like an hour and a half to like get a book signed by him. And I was like, oh, you know, just so it's like, you know, really honoured to meet you. You're the reason I got back into wrestling and I thought your autobiography was brilliant. And he was just like, yeah. Didn't know why I contact nothing. And I was they just like, they say like, don't meet your heroes. And that's why. Hulk Hogan was the same, actually. My, me and my friend, I worked with him, and my friend met him the same day. And my friend met him at the autograph event they did for like the fans before the show, and I was working it. And he was like, not 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 rude, but you know, didn't have any time to speak to you, no eye contact, nothing like that. But when my friend met him, he was like, oh, couldn't believe how nice he was, and you know, pose of photos and all this. I was like, right, so he's got his public persona and he's got his private persona. I get it. But, mm. um, yeah, it's, it's a shame when you, you hear those uh, those kind of stories. But, I, mean, I was backstage at Universal a few years ago and they had those wrestlers there. Um, yeah, TNA. TNA. Yeah. Tits and ass. Uh, and, Literally, um... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's where the name comes uh, from, yeah. And I saw them practising... And one of them had grabbed one incorrectly. And it was like, oh, I'm sorry, dear. Oh, God, really? Oh, no, you grabbed me like this. It was, <laughs> I, don't, honestly, I don't think he was backstage at the right wrestling show. It, it, honestly, <laughs> it reminded me of Les Dawson, you know, over the uh, fence panel. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're back now. They're back there now. Are they? Yeah, so that's going to be, that's another uh, universal attraction they brought back. Um, they're, doing, they're doing filming all the way through to about August, I think now, because that was always yeah, I think quite. Yeah, they were there when we were there in September, Chris. Oh, were they? Yeah. They, okay. They'd been away for about three years, because the big thing is because they film at Universal, they can't charge. They can't oh. charge you for tickets, so it's a free event. If you want to go, you just have to queue up, mm. and as long as they've got room in the studio, you you get in. Um, and we went to see it. On our honeymoon, man, I, I know how to treat my wife on a honeymoon. Um, she was <laughs> thoroughly entertained, and um, 
Um, but yeah, so so but that means they can't make any money. So they were like a few years ago, right? Let's go out on the road and make some money. And I think that year they lost about two million dollars. Ouch! In how much it cost and how many tickets they sold. So they kind of went tail between the legs back to Universal, who weren't interested, or played the yeah. game with them. And eventually they they kind of signed a new deal. But uh, yeah, that that didn't go it down very well. Universal's like, um, well, can you go? Because we need your soundstage for Halloween Horror Nights. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, it's sound, I think it's Soundstage 21. Fact okay. Fans. Yeah, something like that. I have my picture take, I've got a picture of me outside it somewhere. But, Do uh, you know, right, and I, Logan and I shed a tear over this last year, Was we noticed this on the RIP tour, was when you walk down between the sound stages, they've got those like brass plaques of all the different TV shows that were filmed there. Yes. Universal has taken them all down. No way. Yes. Holy yes, cow. Universal. You have removed the blue plaques. Because, um, yeah, because I'm sure... Isn't uh, uh, Men in Black, isn't that what they filmed Swamp Thing? Uh, yes, they had a set there from it, yeah. Yeah. And I think they filmed the interior soundstage as, at where they filmed TNA now, soundstage, I think, 21. But there used to be a plaque outside that used to say this is where they filmed uh, Swamp Thing. I was there the day I watched them striking the set of Ace Ventura 3. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Within 10 minutes, they had the whole thing in the skip. Yeah, they do that quite often, actually. Normally, if it's a shit film, they like two or three. <laughs> yeah, they should, should have put the whole film in there. Isn't, isn't, isn't Ace Ventura 3 when he's a kid? Yeah. Yeah, it's Ace Ventura Jr., isn't oh, it? Yes, it's his Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'll never forget. I'll never forget the, the week. I used to be obsessed with... Uh, looking at the American top 10 films when I was a kid, because I was a loser, right? And I always remember 1993, seeing at the top of the charts that week was this film called Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and thinking it was it was literally a pet detective. I was trying to work out what animal it could be. And I think second or third that week was Weekend at Bernie's 2. Bloody and hell. at that age, even I went to myself, you know what? I think they told everything that needed to be told with Weekend at Bernie's 1. <laughs> and to this day, I've still never seen Weekend at Bernie's 2. I thought 2 was the superior. It could I don't know. Be. I haven't I've, seen it. I've not, I've, not, I've not seen it. I just didn't, you know, it's a bit like City Slickers 2, Electric Boogaloo. What's the point? <laughs> By the way, I mean, it's not called that before anyone corrects me, but every sequel should be called Electric Boogaloo. Isn't it called the search for somebody's gold? The search for Curly's gold, yeah. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's another thing. I, I know a lot of facts about films I've never seen. I'm such a loser. I don't know why I'm married. It, I don't know how film, I'm Films in the eighties were better anyway. That is that is very true. Except for Superman Four: Quest for Peace, which was filmed in Milton Keynes. I was telling I was telling this to my friend the other day. He couldn't believe it. I was like, <laughs> if you go back and watch that film now. You like you notice how low all the buildings are. <laughs> Literally, right? The the ma- actually shrunk. The the what is the newspaper from Superman? Uh, the Daily, Daily Planet. Daily Planet. The the Daily Planet in that film is an Argos. It's the Argos warehouse. What? Yeah. Is it the Argos warehouse? Sorry, it's the it's the headquarters. 
Yeah. For some uh, reason. Do you know what? Every loads. time I go to Melt Cairns, I park exactly opposite that place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for some Literally. reason. For some you need reason, to get a photo of it. Well, for some reason, like, um, Milton Keynes has HQs for loads of UK companies. Um, and also, they, they, it seems to be the concept place. So, like, when the Disney store w- was doing their new... Because they, they now have two stores, don't they? They have an imagination store and... I can't remember what the other store's called, but... Um, so, like, Oxford Street's an imagination store that has the key opening ceremony and all this. They do this at Milton Keynes. They test it at Milton Keynes first. And when I used to do the toy fair... Um, hob- uh, what, what was that plate? Was it called Hobbies? No, what was the um, Beaties? Yeah. The Beaties toy shop. So the Beaties in, in Milton Keynes Shopping Centre used to have displays from the toy fair. So you would see all of the toys coming out for the next Christmas in like January. It's it's really weird. They they pilot so much stuff in Milton Keynes and they have so many HQs there. Um, wow. But yeah, and also the cinema, the which became the first multiplex in England, was used in Superman 4 as well. And it's where they had the premiere of it. Wasn't Milton Keynes a new town? Yep. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah, just like where I live now. Loads right. of roundabouts, but we don't have the concrete cows. Uh-huh. Milton Keynes does. So. Anyway, on that bombshell... Um, as a man has given up hosting, I think she's passed out somewhere. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty drunk, but I I do have something that I want to ask Chris. Oh, is it about Ed Sheeran? Um, oh, yeah. No, but I'll ask that after because I'm quite interested. But okay. I'm going to link this to your new book. Oh. Do you think that we're going to see anything to do with Psycho, Halloween Horror Nights this year, with? The final season of Bates Motel being on. Mm. So oh, Amanda! Oh, ho, ho, ho. now you're asking. Uh-huh. I could do a, a segue and tell you what we're not seeing. Okay. Um, there was a rumor going round that uh, there was going to be a Hellraiser house. Really? Yeah, right. I've been thinking about this, and all that I've been thinking for the last few weeks is, am I going to have to stick nails to my face? <laughs> to make a video if they say that Hellraiser is going to be a house. Well, Hellraiser has never officially come to the event. I think he's been there unofficially in the early days a couple of times, but I know he was actually in the first ever Bill and Ted unofficially. Um, but he's never officially been licensed to Universal uh, for use. And there's this rumor going around that uh, a lot of John Murdy's clues might may refer to uh, the Hellraiser franchise. Um, and then sent to me um, was a conversation of tweets that were, I think, should have been private, but the people using Twitter didn't obviously know they were talking in a public forum, essentially, uh, showing Murdy was trying to set up meetings with the people that own the copyright to Hellraiser. Right. Um, so I've seen them. Um, so then I reached out to those people and I said to them, oh, by the way, these messages are all, you know, public. Um, did the meeting happen? And one thing led to another. They forwarded me onto somebody else. And then eventually I got through to the actual people that that created Hellraiser, but not necessarily own the copyright of it. 
Right. And the creators said, no, we've not had a conversation at all. Oh. Um, but it was in a genuine way because they said, we haven't. We've not been approached at all. But, however, our distributors, our people that own the license to it now, they may be in talks. But now this is where this is where we need to do more investigation. The people that own the copyright essentially now to Hellraiser is Dimension. Uh-huh. Dimension oh. Films. Now, Dimension, I think, is possibly owned by Warner Brothers. I'm not sure. Um, but did was it Dimension or was it MTV? This is the question that upset Universal in 25 by pulling the Scream House. Um, right. Well, that's the question. Well, the Scream series was on MTV. Yeah. So was it MTV production though? That is a good question. Because the thing is, is would Universal Universal be willing to get into bed with them again if they're the same people that let them down in 25? I'm not saying they let them down, but they did they did pull out of the event in 25. It's interesting mm-hmm. because Clive Baker, it's Clive Baker, isn't it, that uh, created Hellraiser? Barker, but yeah. Barker. Well, you say <laughs> Baker, and I say Barker, <laughs> Baker, Barker. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it could be like a Walking Dead situation. In uh, if they want to go for the film Hellraiser, they have to go down one route. But if they want mm. to go for the uh, you know the the literary literature version of of Hellraiser, they you know would be able to go to him well, directly. You raise a very good point, Nick. Because uh, Hellraiser, good points. You hell do. <laughs> Dr. Jimmy, a, a friend of ours who's, a, who's very much into all of this uh, with these clues, he did a very, he helped us out and did this blog post about how all of John Murdy's clues do essentially, uh, you could tie them quite easily to The Shining. Murdy then came out and said, we're not working with Stephen King. But, and this is the but here, did when Stephen King was a young man, maybe naive, did he give away the film rights to that book to Warner Brothers or the Kubrick estate. So could they license a shining house without having to get the permission of Stephen King? Well, Mm. it's probably, and I mean, American copyright law is different to British copyright. Um, And it could well be that if they're basing it on the film that already exists, then they just have to go and get the approval from the producers or whoever mm. owns the license to the, the film at this time now Stephen King famously hates the film which is why he's always tried to make uh, a different version I mean he made a TV version didn't he a few years which, back which would kind of suggest then that he may have more control than we think but on the plus side is that because it was released through Warner Brothers um Kubrick, um, uh, sorry, Warner Brothers have a very good relationship with Universal. Well, this this kind of, I mean, I suppose you could reflect this back to last year's Halloween Horror Nights and The Exorcist. See, when that house was announced, I thought, oh, well, there's a new TV show starting up. It probably would tie in with that because there was no anniversary for The Exorcist that year. So you thought it would have made like synergy sense. Now, obviously... Mm. 
the Exodus TV show wasn't um, wasn't universal, but then um, you know as it was a new thing, maybe they they would, and they obviously opted not to, or that wasn't what they wanted to do. So maybe it could just be that if they're going after the existing like an existing production or a, an existing version they only have to get the the license from that they don't have to get everything signed sealed and delivered by the various estates so if they want mm. to do excuse me they want to do the exorcist film they didn't have to go to the people you know to whoever owns the rights to the books they only had to go to um whoever it's universal isn't it the the, the exorcist uh, no, I think that's Warner Brothers. Okay, um, but go to the studio, uh, or go to the producers, and say we want to do a house based on that, and not have to get the estate of of that involved. But and to continue your first point about synergy, I've also been told off the record that it now looks like the Mummy House is not happening. What? Now you would have you would have thought. You know, Synergy, that film's coming out. It's uh, the first, essentially, the first one of their new Monsters universe. You'd think they'd be doing a house on it. Yeah. Why, that, that says to me two things. Firstly, they think it's going to flop. Well, I wondered if he's basically made a version of Mission Impossible where it's just it's too action-y and there's nothing there to scare you. Yeah. Yeah, and the problem is he's signed a multi-film contract as well, hasn't he? Has he? Yeah. Yep, he's meant to be in future ones. So, I mean, the thing is, like, would you, being the expert here, would you make a house around the mummy from the 1990s? It, It has been done before. So you could. But, well... Because, um, I mean, I don't a... find those films particularly scary. No. Like Jenna Jones type of film. Yeah, yeah, it's a tricky one, because last year there was a house that was very mummy-like, and it kind of was scary because it was very um, claustrophobic. Um, but I get your point. Um, yeah, because the mummy essentially... Because when they've done classic monster houses in the past, like very recently, the mummy hasn't really been included that much. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it's just that. So it's it's either going to flop or it's just not got enough scares in it to make it a a house. Mm. The other thing Murdy did say with one of the houses that he's working on, um, he actually when he was flying somewhere, I think he was flying to Ireland. Um, he actually had the script from the film and he was working on it, um, because he had no rushes to watch. So it was something that was obviously still being produced. Wow. So, you know, I've I've been looking around and there's like eight different films that are going to be coming out this year. And every single one I've looked at and been like, yeah, I can see that being a house. Well, I did you see a very random poll that I put up a few days ago? Um, which one? On Twitter, I put one up and it had um, the th- it, I posted three films. One was that new one with the Scottish actor where he plays this schizophrenic character. Oh, Split. Yeah. Split. Yeah. The other one was The Cure for Wellness. 
Uh-huh. Yep. And there was a third one I can't remember, but they were all horror films that were coming out this year. Um, and the reason I did that was I found out that some Universal executives had been visiting the set of a film that had wrapped production at the end of last year, and all three of those films were filmed in Memphis. <laughs> Um, so I just well, I've heard quite a few people say the cure for wellness mm-hmm. I've heard quite a few people mention that I've heard quite a few people mention Split but I watched Split a couple of days ago mm-hmm. I can't I can't see that well the no. other problem with Split and this is a spoiler alert so if you if you want to see the film which I haven't seen actually but if you want to see it and don't want to spoil listen away now is that Universal had to cut a deal with Disney. What? What? Oh, yeah. So, Why? Okay. So, Amanda, you've seen it. Do you remember uh-huh. who makes an appearance at the end? Yeah. Okay. That that person that appears in that film uh-huh. is playing the same character as he did in a previous film. Yeah, in a different one. That's tied. Which is tied oh, and is owned by Disney. So Disney. Well, so what happened was M Night Shyamalan wrote this script for for what became Split with this twist because of course it's M Night Shyamalan and uh, you know brought it to Universal who were going to be producing the film and said you know I've, that this is the twist um, we'd need to get clearance. And they said, well, you're probably not going to get it, but if you want to go for it, go for it. And apparently he had a really good relationship with, uh, I think it's Sean Bailey. Oh, what's his name? It's Sean something, um, who does a lot of the live action uh, Disney films. In fact, I think he's the only one still swinging for Tron 3 to come out. Um, And um, he, he went to him and said, look, you know, we want to do this. Can we can we have the authorization to do it? And he said, Yeah, okay, because it was supposed to be a low budget uh, horror film, but mm-hmm. Split's actually done incredibly well to the point where they're now talking yeah. sequels. And if they're talking sequels, and obviously with how it ended, then that means that they're going to have to sit down, have a little tit a tat around around the table to work out our deal. I imagine for a split the money. Which is ironic because the film's called Split, but um, that's what they're going to have to do. Um, and Chris, did you did you say there was a third house or third film I, that you? I did, yes. But um, in the couple of minutes we've been recording this, I've completely forgotten what that third one was. Ah, the joys of editing. Well, in that case, it's probably a good place to wrap up the show. So, thank you for listening, uh, Amanda. Thank you for being drunk. You're welcome. Excellent. And uh, I'm I. Uh, guys, I don't want it to be another Universal After Dark. When's the next one scheduled? Um, Sometime in the future. Sometime yes. in the future. Love it. <laughs> so, um, yes, thank you for listening. Remember our other podcasts on the After Dark Podcast Network and Universal After Dark. We'll see you very soon. Bye. Bye. Cheerio, bye. Do one. See <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you would like to support Diz After Dark and the other After Dark Network podcasts, please visit our website at www.patreon.com forward slash Diz After Dark. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Diz After Dark. Thank you.
Dark Podcast Network.